Death will come to us all. This is certain. And yet, there seems to be so much stigma, taboo, fear and difficulty surrounding this inevitable part of life. I'm Sultram, and this is What About Death? Everything you wanted to know about death, but were afraid to ask. Thank you for listening to What About Death? podcast brought to you by karuna.org.au. As you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could follow, subscribe and give us a star rating, hopefully five stars. We will be posting new episodes every two weeks, so be sure to check back and let your friends and family know where they can find us too. In today's episode of What About Death, I speak with pagan elder Linda Ward, who explains the Celtic pagan view of birth, growth, death, and rebirth. So I'd like to welcome Linda Ward to the What About Death podcast today. And Linda is going to talk to us about Celtic paganism. So thank you so much for coming, Linda. Thank you for inviting me. So first up, I'm really interested to know what exactly is. Is it Celtic paganism? Yes. Tell me a bit about that. Well, the, the Celtic peoples date back to the Bronze and Iron Ages of prehistory, and they encompass the Bretons, Irish, British and Gaels, and were spread throughout Western Europe and the British Isles. Modern Celtic paganism is based on the mythological history of these varied people, as well as on the literature based on their oral traditions, which was written down in the Middle Ages. A basic understanding of all these traditions is that the land itself, along with the elements of earth, air, fire and water, are the gods, and the gods are all one. Was it the main tradition? during the Middle Ages? For the Celtic tribes, yes. So then how long have you been a practitioner of Celtic paganism and what drew you to it in the in the first place? I believe I was actually born a pagan, even though I was born into a Christian household. Uh, but it took many years of learning about various faiths until I had my eureka moment and said, That's what I am. My path in paganism has been evolving for over 50 years, but I have self-identified as a Celtic pagan to honour my ancestral heritage for probably about 40 years. So what was the epiphany that you had? Just through studying various faiths and traditions and as time went on, more books became available on paganism and I began reading those. And that just, it just was a light bulb that said, ah, yes, I'm home. This is Mm. what I am. Yeah. Now, I also understand that there are many different types of paganism. So how do they differ and what do they have in common? Pagan is an umbrella term that's used to encompass the variety of European Indigenous traditions which are nature-venerating religions, as well as modern Wicca and many of the New Age spiritualities. It's um, evolved quite organically. There is great diversity 
in the beliefs and practices in pagan traditions that span from Ireland to Asia Minor and from Egypt to Iceland. If we peel back the layers that distinguish the different forms of paganism, most authorities agree that there are three beliefs that are common to all. Firstly, pagans are basically polytheistic and they recognise the existence of multiple gods and goddesses as reflecting the plurality and diversity found within the natural world. They have independent and individual personalities and skills manifested in having different areas of expertise and powers over different geographical areas and elements of the human and natural worlds. They form the sacred landscape as spirits of place. Secondly, nature is sacred. The divine is found within all elements of the natural world, while at the same time all elements of the natural world are part of a divine network that is greater than the sum of its parts. This belief is known as panentheism. God and goddess are found within every living creature and in the elements of the landscape. Pagans aspire to live in harmony with the natural cycles of night and day, the moon phases of waxing, full, waning and dark, the ebb and flow of the tides and the yearly turn of the seasons reflected in sowing, tending and harvesting and the cycles of life, birth, growth, death and rebirth. All of these natural cycles together are part of the interconnected web of life that links everything to everything else. Thirdly, pagans recognise and honour the principle of the divine feminine, known variously as goddess, mother earth, Gaia, the triple goddess, encompassing maiden, mother and crone of wisdom, as well as all the goddesses in all the pantheons of nature-based spiritualities. Both gods and goddesses are necessary for a balanced and harmonious understanding of our world. Other commonalities are that paganism is an experiential, not a revealed religion. It is non-hierarchical. We see no need for a separate priesthood to act as intermediaries between the individual and the divine. And our faith is based on each person's experience of the divine in how they live their lives. Our rituals are generally held outside in the natural world with eight rituals each year, marking the turning of the wheel of the year through the seasons, solstices and equinoxes. So then what is the Celtic pagan view of dying and death? It's important to understand in the pagan worldview, time is not understood as a linear concept, but a cycle. Thus, life is not seen as a straight line with birth at the beginning and death at the end. It continues cycling through time, forever changing, the life energy transforming, because as the laws of physics tell us, energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transformed. So just as the days, months, seasons and years continually die and are reborn, so it is with us. So when you talk about it being a cycle as opposed to linear, can you explain that a little bit more? Well, it it means that birth is not the beginning and death the end. 
of a life, that life continues in this cycle of birth, growth, death and rebirth. Ah, so you have a belief in a, a rebirth process of some description. Yes. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. All right, so we in the West, at least, in the modern perception of life and death, we often see it as opposites, that we're constantly grasping at life and we're avoiding death as much as we possibly can. So how do pagans view the relationship between life and death? Pagans don't generally have a concept of oppositional dualities, such as an all-good God and an all-evil devil, uh, light versus dark, life versus death. We believe in complementary dualities where you must have both sides of a coin to make a complete concept, and this is why we honour both the God and the Goddess as divine. By observing the natural cycles, we understand that after death, there is rejuvenation and renewal, not oblivion. As Christopher Hughes explains in his excellent book, The Journey into Spirit, a pagan's perspective on death, dying and bereavement, death is not the end and neither is it the beginning. It is one step along a perpetual, never-ending road of being. And others have described death as the station between trains. Mm, it's quite beautiful, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit then about rituals. Do you have rituals that you follow, like funerals or sometimes people have, what do they call them, where they actually have a party? I can't remember the word. Wakes. Yes. <laughs> so do you have any of any rituals in paganisms that follow, uh, you know, at the time of death or after death? Yes, we do. And as I said, paganism is an experiential religion, which means that every person's experience is different. The many faces of death mean that there is no set ritual for the dying, but there is a lot in common across many rituals. Pagans tend to use their intuition and imagination to do what seems right for the individual concerned. That being said, there are general practices that can be modified to individual circumstances. If possible, friends and family will gather for a death vigil, maybe taking turns to sit with and hold their loved one's hand, quietly sing a favourite song, chant some of the many chants that ease a person's crossing over. And here I would like to quote from Thorn Coyle in the Pagan Book of Living and Dying. Times of illness and transition call out for ritual to help all involved. Sick or dying individuals may need help carrying out ritual or at least a reminder that it is possible to partake of their most basic spiritual practices. Let them know that though they may be in a hospital or a hospice or confined to a bed or wheelchair, their spiritual needs can be attended to. If possible, set up a ritual space. Don't worry if it's not elaborate. In a space devoid of things from home, a single picture can become an altar. Simple things bring comfort and reminders of the sacred. A plant, shell or feather 
becomes a connection to the spirit that dwells in all things, connecting the sick to the world that they may no longer walk upon. Earth or salt water cleansings are preferred for most hospital rituals. You may then set up sacred space invoking the elements. Call to the goddess and God that the dying person is closest to or who will be most helpful to them in this time. This could be followed by a guided meditation to lead the spirit to the portal to the next world so that they become familiar with the path towards their journey or a healing massage if appropriate or by favourite stories and reminiscences. But in all honesty, death rites and rituals are as individual as the person involved. You mentioned before if people die in hospital. I mean, I understand if people die at home that it would be quite easy to undertake some of these processes. But how do you find it if people who are Celtic pagans die in hospital? Do you find that hospitals generally are supportive of these sorts of activities? What's been the experience? Well, a few years ago now, I was approached by the Children's Hospital Palliative Care Unit and asked to provide a talk on paganism and how it could affect their their patients because they had had a case of a pagan adolescent whose Christian parents were not allowing him to practice his spirituality in the hospital. So I gave a rundown of what was possible and they were very, very supportive and, in fact, it led to a whole series of videos being made on different faith traditions and how they could be used in a hospital setting to give comfort. Do you find that there is a difference in how modern pagans' beliefs and rituals around dying and death are different to those from times past or are they still pretty similar in the main? It's probably impossible to know what actual rituals the ancients had regarding death and dying with any certainty. What we do know is that they believed that the spirit did not die when the body died. And the fact that many Celtic graves hold grave goods, things that would be needed by the spirit in an afterlife, attests to this. Another thing we do know is the importance of women in both the birthing and dying process. And this is seen in the role of goddesses who reveal the mysteries of dying and rebirth, as well as the tribal wise women who took on the role of midwives of both birthing and dying. Lynn Webster Wilde, in her book Celtic Women, comes to the conclusion that death, though terrible, was seen as the gateway through which beings swam as they changed from one form to another. And this sense of unity of all things and the transmigration of souls comes up very frequently in Gaelic poetry. So we can see that the main beliefs are continuous, even though we can't be sure of the actual rituals. Is there like a lineage for Celtic pagans? Is there a, I don't know, a main teacher or something from the time? Not really, as the Celts were quite a varied people 
and spread over a large geographic area. So each tribe would have its own beliefs and rituals dedicated to their own particular geography. So then how do you see or what do you see is the most important thing or what are the most important things to those who practice Celtic paganism in terms of ensuring comfort and peace of mind at the time of death? You know, I mean, death can be quite distressing for a lot of people. So what's the experience uh, in those who uh, practice Celtic paganism? Uh, Ideally, uh, a person should be free of pain, be comfortable and at peace with the journey they're about to take on. And here, again, I would like to quote from the pagan book of Living and Dying. In the pagan traditions, we believe that each of us embodies the sacred. It follows then that sacred authority is also embodied in each of us. When we are facing death and our suffering becomes unbearable, we have the absolute right to say, I have suffered enough. I am ready to go now. We also believe we have the right to receive assistance in making a dignified end when there is no hope of continued life. Pagans recognise that suffering is sometimes inevitable but is certainly not desirable. No one should be forced to continue to suffer unwillingly. In fact, to aid a terminally ill person in dying is seen to act as a priest or priestess of the reaper performing a sacred service. In the Celtic tradition as practised historically, the tribe's healer or wise woman was the midwife of both birth and death. When she could not heal a person who was going to suffer a lingering and painful death, it was actually her duty to ease the transition from life to death and thus to rebirth. So you're saying there that pagans or Celtic pagans it's okay to take modern medicine to relieve pain and to reduce suffering as you're, you know, drawing closer to the time of death. Oh, absolutely. We we don't see pain or suffering as any kind of retribution from a a God that you you have done wrong and need to be punished. Uh, Pain is your body telling you that there's something wrong and if there is a way for that suffering to be eased, then absolutely use it. So I'm also interested in, you know, how grief sits within paganism and what practices do you have? Are there specific practices or specific processes that you might utilise to support people as they move through their grief, whether that's the grief of impending death or the grief of those left behind? Grief is what we feel when something important is gone from our lives and it isn't only about death. There there are indeed many types of grief and the experience of grief is totally individual and there is certainly no right or wrong way to grieve. When a person is immersed in grief, they need others to accept that and to be there to support in whatever way they can. And this may involve the very basic things of preparing food for someone who is so grief-stricken that they forget to eat, to to help around their home and garden, look after their animals, run errands, 
and, and just be there to support them until they are ready to face little by little the new reality they have to live with. As for the person who is dying, yes, their, their grief is probably more to do with what they haven't achieved that they wanted to achieve or maybe build bridges that they haven't built. And so it's always good for them to talk with other people and to ease their own conscience by building those bridges if it is at all possible. And, of course, in sudden death, it isn't. There's no way that that can be done. I think Nick Cave expressed his understanding of grief very effectively. It seems to me that if we love, we grieve. That's the deal. That's the pact. Grief and love are forever intertwined. Grief is the terrible reminder of the depths of our love. And like love, grief is not negotiable. Ghosts and spirits and dream visitations and everything else that we, in our anguish, will into existence are precious gifts that are as valid and as real as we need them to be. They are the spirit guides that lead us out of the darkness. Do you think that because paganism, one of the main principles is this idea of the cycle of life, which therefore necessarily includes death, do you think just that, that simple understanding, that simple recognition of interconnectedness and continuity assists people in their grief process? Oh, absolutely. The logical, rational part of your mind is, is saying, yes, you're going to continue, it's, it's all right. But the emotions and psychology play into it as well. So even though you believe that, there is still a grief process. So tell me then, you touched uh, uh, just very briefly earlier about the idea of rebirth, that that's part of this continuity or continuum of you know life and death as this cycle. So then what actually happens after death for those who have a pagan belief? <laughs> Yet again, there is great variety in what pagans believe constitutes the afterlife. We believe in the cycle of birth, growth, death and rebirth, as I said, and the concept of rebirth is understood differently by different people. For some, it is the belief that the soul or consciousness or life force has experienced many lives and will continue to be reborn in human form to continue the journey of existence. For some, this will include a time spent in the summerlands where you may take stock of your past life experiences and contemplate what experiences you may need to reach your full potential in future lives. Others see rebirth as the continuing story of life. We learn from the wisdom of the ancestors and from our own experiences and then pass this knowledge on to the coming generations. Still others see the life force returning to the interconnected web of life to be reborn in an entirely different being to experience life in a totally different way. In any case, and in the many other variations of these thoughts, death and rebirth are about the story of our journey 
which is the story of our relationships and interreactions with the world around us in the here and now. As we are all linked through the web of life, our stories reverberate and echo and ripple through all the strands that connect us to everything else. And in this way, we see death itself as something to be acknowledged as part of a continuous cycle of life and not as something to be feared. So tell me, what are the Summerlands? That sounds lovely. Ah, uh, yes. The, the Summerlands are in Irish. They are called Chinanog, which is the, the island of youth. And it's this place where the spirit goes, uh, another plane of existence, where you just contemplate what you have made of your life, what mistakes you made, what good things you did, and what things you need to learn to be a better person in your next life. Interesting. So, I mean, it's possible, I guess, that that could be in this particular life itself, couldn't it? I mean, if you are coming towards the end of your life, you might set your mind to that experience. Oh, absolutely. So then tell me a a little bit about you. How have your pagan beliefs helped you when you've experienced death and grief in in your own life? Well, as I mentioned before, there's the the disconnect between your rational and logic understanding of what grief is and then your emotional and psychological way that you deal with it. And really, each death I have experienced has been different and the grief processes have been different. My pagan beliefs have certainly helped, believing that the life force continues in another form and is not lost. However, in the initial stages of grief, I have found that no matter what we believe about death, no matter how convinced we are that the spirit lives on, there is now a great gap that separates us from someone we long for and that we will miss them. So the process of grief for me has depended also on whether it was a sudden death or a long expected death, whether the person is young or old and at the end of their lifetime anyway. So it's a very varied experience for me. Do the the pagans have a sense of being able to remain connected? Like for those who are left behind, person that's transitioned into the next rebirth? Absolutely. Our most important ritual of the year is Samhain which is the honouring of the ancestors. And we believe at that time the the veil between the worlds, as we call it, between this physical existence and the spirit plane is very thin. And this is when it is easiest to connect with the ancestors. And we believe as long as their stories are told, then they are alive to us as people. And where does love sit in in Celtic paganism and its relationship to the cycle of life and our interconnectedness and interdependence? I think love is very, very important. We believe that love is, is essential to life, really. So what was your first experience or memory of death? Probably when I lost both of my maternal grandparents when I was nine. Do you think when you were nine you had a feeling for this 
cycle of life and that death wasn't the end? I think I was really just beginning to understand that the traditional Christianity that I was born into was not answering the questions that I was asking of it. And it was really from that time of about nine or ten that I started being much more out in nature and observing the natural world and starting to see the cycles. But probably at the time my nana and pa died, I wasn't yet on that path. Finally, I'm interested to know what you might offer as one might use the word advice, but it doesn't have to be advice. But what would you offer to people through the the Celtic pagan view of life and death that may just support people as they are experiencing this for themselves, whether it's the person dying or whether it's somebody who's going to remain behind, whether or not they were a, a pagan or not, to help them as they move through these inevitable processes? I think just to be as supportive as you can and to be there in in practical ways, just to sit and hold somebody's hand and, you know, tell them that you love them and that you're going to miss them and recount the stories of past things you've done so that they know that they will be remembered, I think is really important. Telling the stories of, of the ancestors is is always important to us because that keeps us connected with that spirit world. From what you've described, it's not the end, as you say. It's neither the beginning, but it's it's just this continuation. It's qu- it's quite beautiful. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, look, that's it for us this time. I really do appreciate you you taking the time. It's a fascinating, do you call it a religion? Uh, Some people call it a religion, others call it a spirituality. But to me, it's a religion. It's been lovely talking to you today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about the Celtic pagan view of life and death and dying and grief. It's been, uh, it's been really interesting. So thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to What About Death podcast, brought to you by karuna.org.au. Don't forget that we have more to look forward to with new episodes dropping every two weeks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a star rating, hopefully five stars. And remember to follow, subscribe, and tell your friends and family about us too.